0: My dad got that album, Blondie's Parallel Lines on 8-track, when it came out in 1978. If you knew my dad, you'd know how surprising this was. His taste culture generally stayed firmly in the most classic of the classical, Tchaikovsky, Brahms, Beethoven, far from New York New Wave. But that album became one of his favorites, and mine too. It became the soundtrack of the family outings and road trips we'd take. I was 10 and he was 50, Blondie put us in sync. And while there are many ways we've stayed in sync over the years, I didn't expect to have our paths converge the way they did in the last year. In February 2016, I was diagnosed with stage 4 metastatic breast cancer after a routine mammogram. I was about to start my four-month stint of chemotherapy and realized my dad's health also had taken a sudden precipitous dive. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. My dad had still been living his full life. Even though he was 88, had suffered from heart disease since the 70s, had undergone two open heart bypass surgeries, and was battling early onset Parkinson's, he was still going to Work every day. Running a law firm. Going to court. Driving. And then, suddenly, he couldn't. His gait had become unsteady. A shuffle that foretold deterioration. The day I went to the pharmacy to load up on painkillers, nausea meds, and steroids to mitigate my chemo side effects, I also bought him a cane. And I felt responsible. I feel responsible, as if my cancer caused his Parkinson's decline, that he might die because of me. My dad has always taken all of my woes and anxieties personally. When my 13-year-old self couldn't find the right shoes to start my middle school, he patiently took me all over the city to secure a pair. When I was stressed out writing term papers in high school, or my thesis in college, or my dissertation in grad school, he tried to talk me through them. When I've had career angst, or financial angst, or parenthood angst, he problem-solved with me. But cancer, the mother of all problems, was too much. He could no longer be the superhero fixer and make it go away, or be my dad the way he wanted to be. It was a physical kind of empathy. I was breaking his heart and making him sick. My cancer was killing both of us. So it was up to me to kick cancer's ass for both of us. And I took the lead. Just as he went straight back to work after his open heart surgeries and rarely took a sick day in his 65 year career, I worked through my chemotherapy and radiation, never missing a class or a grading session or a dissertation defense. I attended my kids' performances, did school fundraisers, volunteered at the school library, all the while navigating stomach cramps, diarrhea, hair loss, cancer, acne, nausea, and energy depletion. Oh, and I blogged about it all. (laughs) Using myself and my experiences, what else? A teachable moment. I was proud to be like my dad, and even a modicum of self-awareness couldn't stop me. So 17 weeks into my chemo treatments, as the cumulative effects started to catch up to me, I rallied to go on an annual camping trip with my family. As if sleeping in a tent wasn't challenging enough, I went on a six-mile hike to the tallest peak in the Santa Monica Mountains. I guffawed when I confronted a sheer rock slope at the top. My body was yelling, stop. My balance wavered. My legs shook and faltered. I worried they would give out. But I was going to get up that fucker if I had to crawl or be carried. (laughs) Sensing my instability and probably my fear, my husband grabbed me by the arm and guided me the last 30 feet. I pushed myself and made it. I was determined to show cancer who was boss. And I thought I did. But in the weeks following, cancer paid me back and then some. I had to wonder, did I kick cancer's ass or my own? I've never felt that kind of pain, deep-seated and coursing through my muscles and joints, way beyond repair from an Epsom salt bath or a double dose of ibuprofen. I was restricted to a horizontal position in bed, binging on British crime dramas for at least two weeks. A forced rest that was hard for me, with the to-dos and should-dos piling up in my mind. As I ricocheted between my Netflix highs and anxiety-inducing stillness, I wrote my dad a letter in honor of his 89th birthday. I needed an opportunity to connect and call out our similar trajectories, the ties that went deeper than feeling crappy and handicapped in our respective illnesses. I thanked him for giving me valuable gifts over the years, a strength and push and tenacity that seeped in, shaped me, made me a fighter. I also offered him some advice, one fighter to another. I wished him another year of fight and ended with, Dad, I know there's a lot of change looming for you, and it's hard to think about what brings happiness and pleasure, but I hope you can take some time for yourself in the midst of the fight. If anything, that is what I would gift to you today. I think I may have been projecting. When I was first diagnosed, I truly believed cancer would enlighten me. I would shift my priorities and focus on myself and family and self-care. But as I physically started to recover, I forgot the cancer promises I made to myself, the advice I can dish out but can't seem to take. And now I'm realizing that the gifts my father gave me, the fierce will and determination, while helping me push through cancer, also left me right back where I started. I'm overworking. I'm saying yes to too many requests. I'm ignoring my family and waking up in the middle of the night feeling guilty about it. I've re-upped my expertise in pushing and punishing myself. I'm not a good enough teacher, writer, mother, or wife, and there's not enough of me to go around. I'm in a clusterfuck of epic proportions. (laughs) I'm also what the doctors call NED, no valuable disease, and what I've dubbed not ever done. I still have infusions of a targeted drug every three weeks through a port that remains in my arm, maybe forever. So self-care is not an option. It's a necessity. I've made some progress lately. I decided to work more for myself, not to agree to sit on every committee or take every meeting. I'm regularly going to acupuncture. I spend more time with friends. I trained and walked 39 miles for breast cancer research. And I'm here tonight, owning my own story, processing my own shit, so that I can try to figure it out, or at the very least, hold myself accountable. It's a start, but the pull of my dad's way is strong and ingrained. And not just for me. I'm hyper-aware that every day, I'm also modeling for my own kids. I regularly have the don't be like me conversation, (laughs) especially with my 14-year-old. But I still see him adhering to the template I know all too well, overstudying, overwriting, overpracticing. I witness in him a frustrating and achingly familiar anxiety and overwhelm. As I hover between 49 and 50, between having cancer and being a survivor, whatever that means, I also straddle living up to my dad and not fucking up my own son, finding a balance so that I can pass on a different legacy. One way or another became one of my cancer theme songs. The aggressive lyrics aligned with my cancer, anger, and kick-ass mentality and made me feel like a superhero. Relinquishing control, evolving, and recalibrating what it means to be driven and still be me, That will be an ongoing and treacherous fight, but necessary one way or another.